So, I went sofa shopping. You did? I did. Um, it was horrible. <laughs> I don't think... <laughs> I've determined that there are too many sofas. Yeah. And uh, none of them are good. Or at least a very small number of them are good. Mm. Well, and so, I don't know if you've been to like a uh, like a big box furniture uh, store. Big box. Big box, big box furniture store. Uh, where yeah. they have 800 sofas. Yeah. Uh, of which and for you some like. reason, the internal temperature is fever. You're right. Like whatever it takes to make you feel like you have a slight fever. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, you know, they run the gamut from like, this is made from fine Corinthian leather to this is made from a suede that is so grabby. It feels like Velcro when you sit down. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I went to a place, they had 800 sofas. I liked maybe two of them you know, that met the sort of metrics of style, price, and comfort. Um, a lot of them are too firm, and a lot of them felt like I was collapsing into the sofa. Uh, I, you know, I, not good. As a, as a, a rotund gentleman, uh-huh. I, as, a, as a rotund fellow, I don't like the sinky kinds for sure. Right. Because then I exactly. feel like I mean, I'm sitting inside of a, a box of laundry. Mm-hmm. which is uncomfortable. And then this is, a, you know, a furniture store where they have a sales guy who greets you and then follows you around. And every yeah. sofa that you look at, he goes, oh, we have it in these other colors too. And like points at the swatches. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I kind of figured that you had it in other colors. That's how sofas work. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could <laughs> leave me alone, uh, I just want to sit on some try them out and not feel like i'm being stared at because i already feel weird about sitting in 800 sofas so you found two sofas that spoke to you at that particular place yeah oh you're gonna try really more to me so much as they uh whispered quietly and you know barely noticeably but yeah i mean okay, like, the problem with like a that, real nordic nordic sofa situation no no um like, these were all these uh, so i didn't like most of the sofas there because they looked like sofas that my parents would own which uh-huh. is not what i'm trying to do you know so right um i did see there they had a power recliner uh power reclining sofa rather so you know it has multiple recliners um and in the switch panel for the like up down buttons was included a 2.4 amp USB port on both sides, which I oh, thought that's... was neat, except until I remembered that they're USB A ports and we're all switching to USB C, you know, eventually. Yeah. So that's going to be obsolete in the lifetime of the sofa. You br- the last thing you want for your sofa is dongle. Right, exactly. Yeah. I need dongles for my sofa. Like I've dongle town has arrived on my sofa now. <laughs> ridiculous my, my, state of affairs Jan Jan have you seen my sofa adapters yeah <laughs> you don't want that right so I don't know who Jan is but it, I don't this know is, theoretically in my head this is your future wife is going to be named Jan well you know and that's good because I haven't even gotten so far as thinking of a name so I'm glad that you're thinking ahead at least yeah, one of us has I'm, the hopefulness I'm planning ahead for you right <laughs> so so I went to that store. I went to another store where it quickly became apparent that I was in the wrong tax bracket to shop at that store. Uh-huh. Um, so that was fun. Although they didn't follow you around there. They were a little bit nicer. Because they uh, figure, I mean, we already right. They're like, listen, we know you. you came in here. We know you got money. We're not going to need us you. more than we need you. Right. And I'm like, I quickly realized that I do not have the kind of money you think that I do. So... Sorry, I'm going to leave now. Yeah, so at the other place, I ended up sort of taking this circuitous route to, like, lose the guy and then slip out of the <laughs> slip out of the store without him noticing. <laughs> it was a little weird. But, <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. Because I, don't, I didn't want to deal with him being like, oh, where are you going? And, like, trying to give me his card or whatever. It's like, please, please don't. Please don't. What so, if he wasn't? What if he just, like, really wanted to be your friend? What if he was, you know, really he was much age. older than me and that just seems weird. You know, you wanted he was looking for a young friend he's so lonely who, you know, the weird understands thing. that maybe he's maybe he's like really into things that, you know, are the younger generation is into and he feels right. he's like, I listen to Carly Rae Jepsen, like an outcast. big fan, yeah. <laughs> big, big fan. Yeet. Am I right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeet. 
now I'm now all I'm thinking about is Collar Ray Jepsen. And I'm really <laughs> she so she has two songs releasing on Wednesday. She does. No, no, uh, the twenty seventh. She should do an album. Whatever that is, that is Wednesday. Well, I think she is. I mean, she's, she's overdue releasing, for an album. She's Her last been releasing album almost an album's worth of music. Yeah, like one at a time. And it's, well, you know, all I got to say about it is it better be good because, like, I've been waiting. I've been waiting. Yeah, you know, it's been since 2015. She, she, however, is like the rich, the rich people sofa store. She doesn't really need you. Do you know what I mean? No, no, no. And she knows it. That's no. why she's just doling them out. Right. Well, you know, I hope that that means that she has a higher quality of output that, you know. I, I think she will. Yeah. She will. I mean, historically, so you, that has been the case. Did you settle on a sofa? I did. I ended up going to uh, the Fine West Elm store. Uh, oh. And they had a sofa there that was reasonably priced, reasonably sized, reasonably comfortable, and came in reasonable fabrics and colors. And they were very nice to me there and not very, not weird at all. So, and it was on well, sale. So I, I've ordered a sofa, which will arrive is brought in, to you by the West Elm store. Yeah. For all your furniture needs. Mm. West Elm. It's uh, right next to East Elm. <laughs> Thank that's you. the that's the furniture stores. It's funny because that's actually their little jingle. Yeah, in, in fact, West Elm. They're very uh they're very um culturally hip, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that people probably want to hear more about your sofas, but I right. um wanted to bring up something that's really been bothering me. It's. Mm. I feel like in what the is past, it? Uh, global warming. Uh, uh, <laughs> no uh, injustice. It, uh, world poverty. It has to do with a cooking gadget. So ah. the, <laughs> this is what's been on my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Probably anything. <laughs> Slow else. down, Alton like, Brown. I I wake up in the middle of the night thinking about this, sweating, the wiping <laughs> <Yeah>. your brow, <laughs> oh, <laughs> panting. <what? laughs> so so Saturday, my my Saturday morning routine. Is I usually I wake up like around like five thirty or six in in the a.m. because okay. I'm just Good. programmed to do that. Yeah, no, I'm the same the way. Week. It's very obnoxious. Yeah, it's pretty like, awful. Like I would love to sleep in, but my body is like, you don't know how to sleep in. Well, I mean, like, yeah, up time, get up. I have What's to get up. up dog? I have you, to let my you're dog up now. My, I have to let my dog. <laughs> What's up, dog? I'm up, dog. I have become <laughs> dog. <laughs> So uh, the the thing is, I get up and I take my dog out, you know, let mm -hmm. her do her thing, feed her. And then I will sit down in my chair. I have like, you know, a big comfy chair over by the sofa. Podcasting chair. Turn, turn, on, <laughs> turn on the TV mm -hmm. and I'll turn on um, Fox you know, News. whatever. Uh, yes. Um, <laughs> I'll turn on whatever. Fair and the balanced. Most fair and balanced. And right. That's it. I'll turn on the NBC, whatever their Today Show thing is that's on, um, yeah. and I'll generally just like let that ease me back into sleep. So at some point during the Today Show, mm -hmm. I drift back off into my second Saturday morning sleep. You know, I find that those morning shows are very good if you need to be bored to sleep. Yeah, they're, they're perfect. They're so soothing. Carson Daly's there sometimes. They're, they're not particularly engaging or nor entertaining. Yeah. So, um, just let their playful, meaningless banter waft you away. So, so I get my second sleep, but I woke up this time to a cooking segment. I find that a lot of mm. times when the, when there's a cooking segment it like, it like it, I just wake up. I, there's something about I have a sort it. of sense for it. I, I hear like a sizzling pan or something. Do you, do you wake up with a start and you're like, they're cooking? Yeah, they're cooking. I'm gonna watch. It's Grabbing always the, holding onto the armrests, it's clenching. Never they're like cooking. Someone making something very interesting. It's always yeah. really bad, and it's like, like today we're gonna make what? Assembling like different types of pre-cooked frozen foods. Like, right. They have this, they have all the pretzels. Everything has been carefully prepared ahead of time. Here's a tater tot lasagna yeah. with barbecue sauce. So 
I'm watching this that one. Sounds, that sounds awful. It could be good. There's yeah. this guy making something. I don't recall what he's making, but he, he said, and then he'll just take some garlic and he gets this garlic press and he puts a clove of garlic in the garlic press, but he doesn't take the skin off. And uh-huh. immediately I was like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. Mm. Mm. And he just presses it down. And then I see the garlic goo come out. Blip. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking. That's the canonical name for it. Blip. The garlic, the garlic, goo. garlic, the garlic, garlic. Yeah. Um, and the pressed garlic. It, it just bothered me so much. Like cleaning that up. Why would he do that? This guy was like a professional chef. Was mm-hmm. he just nervous because he was on television? <laughs> yeah. For, like, what was going? What was going on? Like, our, our, and then I was thinking, oh no, there's going to be like, you know, thousands and thousands of people in the Pieces United States. Of- watching this for the first time I'm like well that's how you they use a like garlic press garlic skins in their garlic then or yeah something. this is the first thing i've ever seen i guess the skin is good for you i don't know mm-hmm. so it but it, it yeah, bothered fiber me. it bothered me so much that i was like maybe it's a thing hmm. and so i did so. i consulted the googs mm-hmm. and i found this epicurious article Mm. It's called leave the peel on when you use a garlic press. Not peeling garlic takes this gadget from unnecessary to unparalleled. Well, there you um, go. So apparently this technique. is the thing people do. Yeah. I have done this. I feel like, why has no one told me this? Like, <laughs> I know, right? Like it's a time-saving step. And it actually this, makes cleaning the garlic press easier. Yeah. And this is like that thing. This is like one of those things that probably everyone does one or the other and they never talk about it like they always just right. assume yeah everyone does it it's like you know however you yeah. deal with things in the bathroom nobody right. talks about it so you just yeah. always assume everyone does everything the same way sitting like, or standing it's not yeah it's not toilet paper who over knows? or under yeah who knows i mean i yeah. don't want to talk about it but right garlic goo i neither so, sit nor stand i sort of i exist in a quantum superposition <laughs> well <laughs> Super, super position. Schrodinger's, Schrodinger's toilet. Mm. I don't know what Garlic. that means. So you use, so is it? I have used this method. To clean the skin? Because like, I feel it like is. I haven't you tried You just kind of peel it away, you know? Wow. I feel like yeah. the skin would go, would like clog the thing up, but I, man, now, I don't know. Uh, I have evolved to the ultimate life hack, which is frowned upon by basically every culinarian, which is just using pre-minced garlic. Uh, because I'm oh. too lazy to even press the garlic. <laughs> you but know, I use a lot of garlic, you know? So, like, yeah. I got to crank that stuff out. I think depending on what you do, that's okay. Like, Yeah, I mean, I get it from Costco, it so it has to be good, right? Like, Well, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's true. You you want to think so. <laughs> um, I I get the pre-peeled garlic some of the times. Mm. Like when I know I'm going to be cooking with a lot of garlic. So lately I've been trying Indian food right. stuff. Yeah. It takes a lot of garlic. I definitely think so. garlic, a garlic press is preferable to mincing it by hand because mincing it by hand is intolerably uh, complicated and slow. I, I will not. I refuse to mince nope. garlic by hand. <laughs> I won't do the, it. This is the hill I will die on. Yeah. I've been no mincing I've, by hand. <laughs> I've been cooking since I was like 10. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, I loved watching like Food Network TV shows. I was constantly cooking and trying things. It's like, I'm pretty good in the kitchen. I won't mince garlic. I see minced garlic and I'm like, well, it's either going to be crushed garlic or it's going to be smashed garlic. That's it. Yeah. There's no mince. I'm not doing that. Right. That's obnoxious and it sticks to the blade. It's right. Just, yeah. It's, it's bad. It gets you get more garlic on your fingers and you smell like a, like a bambino all day. No. Right, it makes your fingers a little sticky too with garlic stickiness, which is yeah something. Uh, I recently took a knife skills class, and in fact, they told us that we should press our garlic rather than mince it. Wow, you took a knife skills? I did. At they have a sur le table. What is? Whoa, sur le I don't table. Even know what, that's too fancy for me. Are you oh, sure you don't like belong a, in a fancy uh, sofa store? Are you uh, sure? Maybe, maybe so. No, it's like a Williams Sonoma kind of, but down okay. market, and they happen to have cooking classes as well. You know, like they have all the they have all the cookery. You know, they have like your 
you know, you can go there and buy a Le Creuset and you can buy glasses and plates and whatnot. And you can buy unitaskers, you know, you can buy a garlic press there or a spatula. Um, And they have some unique ingredients, too. Like I just bought some pearl sugar to make some proper Belgian waffles. Um, Only place you can pearl sugar. Yeah, it's uh, it's exactly like what it sounds like. Um, But they also, you know, they have they sell knives there, but they do cooking classes as well. And one of them is just a generic knife skills class where you learn how to use a knife properly. Turns out there's a specific grip you're supposed to use. You know, there uh, is. But I learned a different way. Hmm. And so do you I, hold it the dangerous way that is to be frowned upon? Um, well, be honest. Sometimes I don't uh, like, I don't always grip the blade mm. or, or sorry, the handle. I grip. I'm sorry. That's not the correct answer. Sorry. <laughs> what is, what's the way, <laughs> what's the no, way you're I'm meant to, to do it? You're meant to, you're, it's called the pinch grip. You're meant to pinch the blade with your thumb and forefinger. And it gives you like, better control. Yeah, no, that's that's what I do. But I'm just higher up on it than I feel like. Oh, really? You're not. You're supposed to be like right at the edge of the grip, basically at the very bottom of the knife. Uh, yeah, no, you know what? I kind of am there. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, so, there you go. There, there you go. Hey, I am on. doing hang it. On. I've got hang on. I've got a better I'm doing one. it. I just don't know where it is. Where did it go? Where did it? <laughs> Yay! Oh, it's quiet. It's quiet. I'm one doing moment. It. <laughs> As today's winner, you win today's showcase. Cut it. Cut it. We're gonna get we're gonna have copyright problems. What? That's not what this is a podcast. This isn't YouTube. We don't get demonetized. Oh. Incidentally, I'm thinking of purchasing a new chef's knife because I like the knife that I used in that class so much. What? Oh, what are you thinking about getting? Uh, it's a Did global? you hear something? Sorry. I might have, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so. Hi, it's Vince with ShamWow. Uh, anyway. <laughs> There's, have you seen this video with the kid who, the dad put a microphone in his pocket and he's learning uh, hockey? You know, I, I was watching that before we recorded and that is a delightful video. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Uh, am I, I a good kind of, what? What did he say? Like, am I a good scorer? And then he good whacks it and goes, "Yeah, I am. Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I had the self confidence of a four. My so. favorite thing. Oh wait, here it is. <laughs> I. <laughs> oh yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. It's good. We should link that. Okay. I good. Well, and then there's when he's skating, when he's skating on the ice and he's like, left, right, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He goes because he's trying to learn to use both his feet and he goes one, two, one, two, one, two, I'm doing it. And then at one point he goes one, two, one, two, one, two, one, two, like really. Yeah. Well, and then at one point. At one point, he falls, and then he goes, it's okay. I'm okay. <laughs> That's so, man, this kid is better uh, than all of us, I think. Uh, I think yeah, not better than me. True, I'm not trying true, to put a value true. judgment on you, Andrew, yeah. but. No, it's fair. It's fair. <laughs> so, um, we should probably. Uh, what were we talking about? Oh, knife. <laughs> I'm knife. I get knife. Um, I get knife. I want to get a global. They're apparently. That's what I have. Really? It yes. has the little knurled, uh, bumpy handle thingy. <laughs> knurled, knurled. It has, it has, yeah, like the 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 bumpy grips that I yeah, don't like, use because I'm all choked up on the knife blade. <laughs> but um, no, you're supposed to choke yeah, up on the back. I, That's my other podcast. Stay focused. I have their their is it the global eight global inch classic chef knife? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I use that. Yeah. I like it a lot. Apparently, the handle is hollow and is filled with the right amount of sand to balance the knife. Oh. Which varies from knife to knife. Whoa. I know, right? Like, mind blown. Yeah, mind there's, um, they have, like, blown. YouTube videos about how to sharpen their knife, mm. which is really great. You have to do it special, or? 
are they just being pretentious? You, you don't. They're just being pretentious. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's but kind of what I figured. They're a Japanese knife company. Right. So Global brand. They're, they, Today's they have episode like, sponsored by Global Brand Chef's Knives. Like, here's uh, their guy. Oh, that's jaunty. Yeah. Mino Tsuchida. Oh, no. That's I'm sorry. Guy. That's not jaunty. That's a default. Both That's a side. default. Uh, yes. Final. Final. Okay. They said this is a very good for European mm-hmm. food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he even has like a little printout. <laughs> I'm cutting. I'm slicing. I'm sharpening. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we should probably do our main topic. Yep. <laughs> In fact, yeah. So uh, I think we're done with the uh, we're done with the mini topics. Guess we can close the file on that one. Yep. Mm. Let's move on. Main so, uh, you so were you and real, I both real fired up. Yeah, we both found this article. I think approximately the same time. Yeah. <laughs> it was published uh, today as we record this, which is an indeterminate time in the past that I'm not going to mention to keep this topical. Um, although once you click on the article, I guess you will be able to find out. So now I feel dumb anyway. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, who, who reads URLs, right? The title audience, because they're, this is an article from the Washington post, the Amazon Washington post, Mm -hmm. um, his complexifier, uh, uh, the, the, the headline is, or the head, as they say in journalistic parlance. The race for shareholder profits has left workers in the dust, according to new research, which I read that and I was like, duh, uh, (laughs) you know, it's kind of this features a like full page sized graph that really illustrates the problem. And it's interesting that it's so it's this graph of worker productivity increase starting starting in 1948 to 2017. So it's versus compensation increase. And so. Productivity increases linearly. You know, it's up to 246% versus 1948 productivity. So what I'm learning is that people in 1948 apparently didn't get anything done. Um, <laughs> they did nothing. I think that's when they first started measuring it, maybe. Or this mm, is when... Could be. Could this be. is like the improvement since 1948. Right. Um, and know. But compensation, you know, goes up linearly until 1972, where it basically curves off and be remains totally flat it's just like nah compensation has grown basically not really at all since 1972 so we're working you know more than twice as hard for not really any concomitant increase in compensation concomitants concomitant Uh, let me make sure i use that word properly define concomitant the naturally accompanying or associating i did it i did it did it I done it. I'm doing it. <laughs> I done it. <laughs> the, so, um, the paper is by somebody. What I love is that the paper is by some sort of um, number scientist named Lenore Palladino. Mm-hmm. And I feel like A almost every every paper I read that's like cited somewhere, mm-hmm. like maybe like one out of four, the la- the person's last name is Palladino. Really. Like that's just just this one guy. I think (laughs) he's just writing so many one Lenore Palladino, or (laughs) it's um just like a whole family, like a clan. Right, the Palladino clan. Yeah, they're the think tankers, as it were. So, do you want to uh like give a summary of what this paper? I mean, you could just read the abstract, I suppose. But you know, what's the point here? What's the what's the uh the argument? On the point is that. That uh, in the 70s, economic growth, like, kind of started slowing and inflation. Mm-hmm. That was the stagflation rose. period. Yeah, it was like, it was, I think that the, was the, the era of everyone period. was like, okay, okay, let's slow down a bit here. Let's, we've well, had all and this like, growth. There were the oil embargoes, and yeah, it yeah. was a complex time. It was a complex time. Yeah. Everything everything started looking bad. <laughs> it was a land of like, contrasts. Like fashion just got bad. Yeah, that's true. Music was like mm, Yeah, mm. everyone had had too much LSD at that There's point. Too, just too much. We there'd been too much growth. Too much. Too much from the 1960s. Too much. 
so uh, and the boomers were like you know starting to feel their oats right mm-hmm. and they were like hey what if we just put growth economic growth first what if what if what if corporations don't owe anything to the to the workers just the right. shareholders or indeed to anyone except Any- the shareholders yeah what if what you know hey we're shareholders right right i feel like mm-hmm. we should be the only ones that are benefiting from the right so what like, this paper basically what about, argues what about shareholders right yeah what a, who honestly <laughs> you know won't someone think of the shareholders yeah yeah because they're truly the neglected the party here in in the corporate world is the shareholders yeah so yeah so there's this concept of shareholder primacy or primacy primacy i'm gonna say primacy i like which that. basically is a principle and in um it's now become a legal principle that um basically corporations do not like a publicly traded corporation their only legal um you know priority is to produce profit for shareholders and they do not have any other legal obligation fiduciary rule right exactly so um you know basically before the 1970s companies this paper argues companies you know took into account the uh well-being of their workers you know and, and provided things like good wages pensions stuff like that and then after the 70s they began to prioritize returning money to shareholders you know in in one form or another whether that be the fiduciary made workers fungible right thank you thank you i ding myself on that one yeah thank you (laughs) but um, i felt like i was it was worth i was worth it that was good for me right so one two one two right so uh you know they they basically um they did uh, stock buybacks and dividends to return money to shareholders instead of investing in a the labor force or anything like that. Um, and, and what this paper ultimately argues is that that trend, which has been accelerating lately, is ultimately harmful to the economy at large. Well, it's uh, just like an economy in a market, money should be going around all over the place, right? And it should be... right. Be by being spread around, the the theory is that that helps facilitate the efficiency of the market because then money is going to start to find its way to the most productive parts of the economy mm-hmm. or whatever. I mean, whatever. <laughs> right. Way, but whatever. Um, right. But I think this does. Some way you know, it kind of does. We know that wealth is increasingly concentrated. Um, yeah. You know, at the higher ups, and it's this you know, these kinds of policies, these kinds of actions that have basically been driving this, you know, th- yeah. this is so why money's been funneled more and more and more into a small group of people who are the people who, uh, own right. Huge shares of stocks. Like it's and really it's great for their- them. Cause it's like a positive feedback loop for them, but the rest of us are basically left out of it. Well, and this one of the is the thing I- is <laughs> go ahead. Sorry. This is the thing is that it, it's increasingly silly to connect, you know, the state of the economy to the state of like the, you know, the well-being of the general populace because one, one of the people arguments don't I own hear, that many stocks. Yeah. Well, and then one of the things, one of the arguments I hear all the time when I try to say like, you know, don't measure the economy by measuring the stock market. Like that's not really a good way to go and people are like like you know they'll say like oh the stock market is is on fire yeah right. but that doesn't really feed down into normal yeah people. like when the uh, stock market goes up that doesn't really like for my 401k that adds like a hundred dollars of value at well this and the point. thing that i, I love that this article points out is it says like the practice even puts small shareholders including people holding retirement investments in 401ks at risk because buybacks directly benefit the people that can sell the stock well, right if you're investing right. in a 401k you're a long term you're not selling that stock you're holding it right, right? The, the stocks so, the only stocks that can be bought back are those that are offered for sale the only thing it does is, is it it makes the market actually more yeah uh what's the term uh 
erratic, right? It, it actually right. risks your 401k because what happens if one thing you have a bunch of money invested in just like completely tanks, then what? Right. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's so the, what, what I liked in this paper is that it argues that, you know, shareholders and stakeholders are two different things. And that shareholder primacy basically neglects all of the other stakeholders in a corporation, um, which is to say, you know, you have the shareholders, but you also have the employees and, you know, the customers and suppliers or any other, you know, companies that have an interest, whether monetary or not, in the company and how it runs and, you know, whether it succeeds or fails. But um, our our economic system at which you know our legal system as well has decided that that doesn't matter the only thing that matters is the shareholders who own a legal interest in the company however small or large um yeah i think it's interesting that it it affects the customer too like right it's not just (laughs) Mm -hmm. i mean it affects everybody uh, this paper ultimately um presents some ideas for policy solutions to try and mitigate this i mean in my mind this is essentially an externality that is not properly captured um i I think i think that's a lot i think i think that's a lot of the problems that we see in markets right um if you if you you know you can critique the idea of markets uh you know themselves or 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 whatever but i think you know i think it's silly to argue that the free market captures all externalities as people like to say because people are because people are not rational i mean right people if there's one thing you know about people it's that usually we will sacrifice immediate gratification for long-term security like that's just like a human thing just and because now matters to us more than some imaginary future like that's just how people generally the future seems so far away Right. That it doesn't seem relevant to think about. It, so, and it isn't. If, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. If you're, if you're so, old and you're not going to pay for the consequences. But <clears throat> so um, this, uh, yeah. So basically, you know, shareholder payouts from 1972 to 2016 have gone um, up. Uh, so what is this? As a percentage of. As a share of total assets, so in 1972, shareholder payouts were 1.8% of total assets of publicly traded companies. In 2016, they're up to 3.1%. Wages, meanwhile, the actual cost of labor has decreased um, almost in half. That's so crazy. Like, when I saw that, I was like, what? So corporations are paying less for labor than ever before, basically, since 1972. You know, adjusted for inflation, basically. Um, Yeah. And it's just, it, it galls me. They're taking me. all that savings and giving it to... <laughs> right. It galls me because I hear people talk about, you know, at companies, they talk about retention and, you know, whatever. And they like to complain. They say, oh, you know, millennials, they work for some place for three years and then they move on to the next place. Why aren't they loyal? And my thought is always, what reason are you giving them to be loyal? You know, in the past, you could have expected a pension. You know, and and pensions are a pretty good reason to stay at a company, um, and that's, and uh, just not a thing anymore. <laughs> right, exactly. And, and you know, like what your four hundred one k match is the same as basically any other company that I go to. So what does it matter? Uh, yeah, you know, they don't. They aren't investing in their employees, and yet they expect the same kind of, you know, loyalty and commitment as before. And they don't realize that it's a two way street. Well, and what's weird about it is on the one hand, they're like, um, you know, reptilian, harsh, very. Uh, they are all reptiles. Thank strict. you for saying that. <laughs> strict, Welcome but they're to the like, David Icke podcast. They, they, they believe in this like very uh, just harsh. No, this is just the way it is kind of kind of mindset about. Right. Things. The world but isn't then, fair. You know, yeah, the world isn't fair. You know, and their makers. Just get with it, you know what I mean? But then when right. it comes to them, it's well, why aren't these people loyal? Yeah. Well right. <laughs> it's not it's not one way, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's very it's a very weird attitude that like you see everyone else has to prove the themselves, place. but they don't. 
when you start looking for it too, you see it like all over the place. It's it's like super pervades our society and it's mm-hmm. and it's nobody really questions it that much. It's just kind of like taken for granted. Yeah. This is just the way that it is now. Yeah. So. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> My, you know, facts don't care about your your feelings. But why are people being loyal? Right. My, so but this, my feelings matter. <laughs> so this paper um, proposes um, some policies to limit stock buybacks, um, either by um, banning open market share repurchases or adding conditions or adding transaction taxes for stock buybacks um, or having the SEC basically um, you know, act as a regulator in this case. Uh, they used to have stricter rules around stock buybacks, which they um, relaxed in 1982 or so, so they could oh, go weird. back to their stricter rules. <laughs> um, yeah, weird. 1982. Hmm, what was weird going on in 1982? <laughs> yeah, trickle down. Well. <laughs> um, and then also policies. This is kind of interesting to me. Policies to institute stakeholder corporate governance, which is to say, um, that basically adding in um, more than just the shareholders as part of the governance of the company. So um, rewriting corporate purpose statements such that corporations are committed by law to act in the public's best interest. So there are companies that, um, yeah, that has some do this some already. They're called public benefit companies or public benefit corporations. Um, and it's basically that it like in their corporate charter, they have um, additional purposes apart from simply maximizing profit for shareholders. So an example is like Patagonia. Um, they have like environmental policies, um, you know, as, as part of their corporate charter. Um, they make cool videos of like surfers and rock climbers. Right. <laughs> That's actually in also in there. <laughs> yeah, it's um, in their corporate. Right. So, you know, re- rewriting the charters of these companies and things. Um, and, um, you know, well, fiduciary duty as well, basically redefining fiduciary duty, um, so that it is not simply, um, in relation to shareholders. And it gets it, into stuff like, I don't know. I don't remember if it said this in the article, but that also kind of bleeds into the idea of employee owned companies right. can also have a, an which is the, which is the third point here, which is giving employees a seat at the table. So. requiring firms to reserve some significant percentage of board seats for worker representatives. I think Uh, I learned recently that that's kind of like a standard. It was, or it was a standard in Germany. Yeah. It's fairly common outside of the U S and especially in some European countries that you basically have, you know, someone, you know, one of us little people that can sit in the boardroom and say, actually, I'm not sure that this is such a great idea. Uh, yeah, and, you know, and I, don't I don't know how much that would sway the other matter, people, yeah. but it would. I think it would perhaps help uh, add some perspective. I know. know I've known people who've worked for employee-owned companies, and it did make them very invested in the company. Right. I, I so think like, one of the one of the best ways to increase employer employee engagement is like in an employee owned company where their involvement and commitment to the company is directly proportional to the success of the company. Right. Yeah. And then that's going to increase their bottom line. Like right. Their the the value of their shares goes up. <laughs> mm-hmm. Crazy how that works. Right. So people I, work for money. Right. <laughs> And money can be exchanged for goods and services. <laughs> That's insane. Yeah. So I thought this was a, a particularly interesting article. It notes that, you know, in um, they have a graph here of in 2019 dollars, what wages were back to 1964 um, hourly wage. So in 1964, the average was 20, 2019 dollars. Today, it's 23 dollars. It's actually down from its high in 1973. So like. <laughs> You know, things are not moving. And this is, I, I've been evangelizing this to people I, at work and like my friends and whatever, which is that we basically all work too much for not enough money. Yep. Uh, and I'm just trying to get that thought into people's heads. Yeah. Yeah. That's definitely, I'm uh, preaching right. that message too. 
Like, it's, honestly, you know, I wonder if we could somehow like snap our fingers and correct this compensation disparity and make it so that it aligns with the increase in productivity. Like, would people even be talking about stuff like universal basic income anymore? Or would that just be a solved problem? Because the yeah. reason that people talk about UBI and other things like that is because they would like you know, to live. <laughs> right. And, be, and because compensation is not rising as quickly as prices have ri- risen and debt has risen and all and, that. And it's funny because that's one of my main things that I kind of like makes me uncomfortable with UBI in some ways is it feels like it's, it's, it's government. It's, 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 it's a weird way around government subsidizing businesses. So yeah, I, it's yeah. like, well, shouldn't the businesses be the one actually right. paying people, you know? And so I think this kind of gets at that point that, I mean, UBI could be a really useful tool too. I'm not like, right. Well, and I I'm have heard again. we will have to have a full UBI episode or something, mm. but, um, one Look of the, forward to that listeners, right. Tune in. Um, one thing that I have heard is that UBI allows for the compensation of women for childcare, which is not, yes, is a job, but is not typically a compensated job. You know, there's also um, some proposals out there for um, free child well, care. Well, now listen, to, listen to this, Andrew. Mm. Uh, the woman her. Uh, works for her husband, uh. and he provides the wages. <laughs> My wife. <laughs> <laughs> no i yeah i mean that's that's just uh, it just seems ridiculous a, a notion to me but um there are also proposals out there for you know like daycare for all that would also provide you know in the case that you would rather um be a stay-at-home parent that you would basically get the amount that would be paid for daycare you would just receive that amount um yeah. which i think is also an interesting idea um Speaking of interesting ideas, mm-hmm. what if you were going to guess what would happen if you took a bunch of bright and energetic children who made mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. very colorful signs mm-hmm. and came really you. prepared and understanding right. to the office of Are a... Are they cute? Are they like that four-year-old? Yeah. Oh, very cute. Oh, okay. Very cute. I'm on board. You took them to the office of a senator. Hmm. And so that's a learning experience. Yes, uh, exactly. Exactly. Mm. Just like, you know, maybe you visited I don't like where this is headed. The fire station when you were in Boy Scouts. Right. Thing. Yeah. Uh, these kids are they're they're, you know, going to the senator's office to be like, eyes full hey, heart. Could you could you do something? <laughs> could right. you do something about like not could letting us please? burn to death? Yeah, we'd like to live on the planet, uh, you know, into adulthood. Do you mind? Because you're the one with the political power. Like, do you mind possibly making that happen? Like taking steps to prevent? You wouldn't wouldn't guess that what they would get is a sort of condescending. I mean, polite-ish. I I might guess. Kind of condescending remarks Mm -hmm. about, listen. I know more than you, dumb, dumb kid. Yeah. I don't think, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have guessed that that would happen. I would guess right. that. I, I thought that the, that's, that's the sort of thing that you think in your head, but you don't say out loud. That's the, you know, you don't say the quiet part loud, right? Uh, uh, it was, it was, it was real bad. We're talking about uh, yeah. Senator Feinstein for my, yeah. my senator. She's, she's done bad. I'm giving her a wrong buzzer. She, she did very bad. Now the best part. She should feel about- bad. If you don't know about this, um, that's weird. Uh, it's, it's funny because like I'm looking place. at a screen cap from the video and there's a subtitle and it's her crossed arms looking rather annoyed. And the subtitle is, I know what I'm doing. And I'm just like, you plainly don't. Well, here's like, the thing. No, plainly do not. Here's the thing, Andrew. This hmm. video was edited. Hmm. <gasps> oh, deceptively. <gasps> Turns out. Yeah, wait a minute. Oh. Wait a minute. Uh, 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 uh. Oh, that wasn't. Whoa! Wow, you're just running through. That was wow. 
I think it's this one that I wanted. Edited, you say? Yeah, edited. It's always the last. Imagine that I've like uh, shockingly pulled off my sunglasses. <laughs> what? This is this is something that his this that aggression will not stand, man. It's it's driving me up the wall that every this, time that you a can video every, right is every time you online, get it, you go, oh, it was it was edited. It's doctored. There's, there's this initial take where Photoshop. Like, oh, I'm so angry. I'm so angry. Ah! And then later that day or the next day, someone's like, um, that oh, video no. didn't show the whole thing. Here's the I was there and it was an hour. Yeah. Right. And they, they, now there's new video that shows yeah, there's, the whole oh, thing. Oh, a different perspective. And really and, the only thing it adds is. Yeah. You have to decide um, more silence and really nothing hours. that changes. Yeah. Your perspective I, on the event. am I going to waste two more hours of my life and watch like, this whole thing that includes the thing I've already right. seen? You're like, or, I don't know. Like they kind of clipped the important parts. She, you know what, condescending to them, and it wasn't like they clipped out the parts where the kids were calling her, you know, an idiot or something. Like they were perfectly like, respectful. It's almost always like that, unless it's like Project yeah. Veritas or. Yeah. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But like, so this was a learning experience for the kids, but not a positive learning experience. They learned that politicians are stupid, which is a thing they would have learned eventually. But uh, look, it's sad that they I, had to learn it this early. I've been called a know, Dianne Feinstein apologist in the past. And hmm. I kind of like, I don't, I don't think she's as bad as like some other people Certainly would not. say. I think there's some ageism at play when people criticize her. I think she's actually a lot smarter and better at her job. Well, than people she certainly claimed for. that she is. <laughs> but yes, video. but but this is like there's just no justifying the response. Yeah, it, like it, this is uh, you know uh, you mentioned ageism. This feels like ageism to me, in that it is basically um, you know a denying that kids could have their own political opinions, right? Like it yeah. must be the assumption that kids don't aren't smart enough to have their own political opinions. Their the opinions must have been, you know, sort of implanted in them by their parents or whatever. And therefore, you know, it's all it's not genuine, it's all bad faith. And every conservative tweeter was like, Oh my gosh, do I like Diane Feinstein now? <laughs> it's like, oh boy. <laughs> She's putting putting those please, kids in their please, place. Please log off. Please log off for the sake of all of us. Get off it. I should yeah. log off. I, if we, I should we log off, should they should log, log off. off too. Yeah. But the best thing that happened mm -hmm. was a magazine to which I am a subscriber for, for reasons I can not quite explain. Scarcely to explain anyone. at this point. Well, it's supposed to be the magazine of no party or click. Yeah, this is like it's Atlantic. supposed to be the it's supposed to be the fair and balanced magazine in the in the actual sense. Of Just fair like I wake up in the morning and watch my fair right. and balanced. <laughs> We're talking about the Atlantic, folks, the Atlantic. Yeah, the Atlantic. And I mean, honestly, it does have it has some really great writers who I'm always interested in hearing. Right. So I like to subsidize that. Right. Um, but they published but, a take that was so hot that I could feel it from my house. It was like a I'm still feeling the heat from it. Meteor of molten. Yeah, I mean, lava. this is like just, this is like stellar furnace hot. Like I I'm mean, gonna, <laughs> please read. I'm gonna read. read. I'm just gonna read this 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 excerpt that's from this other article that you shared because I think this is like yeah, yeah. the subum bonum as right. they say. Yeah, <laughs> a group of jackbooted tots and aggressive. Or sorry, <laughs> I can't even get it right. I can't even get into this mind space. Okay, well, here we go. Well, let's just stop. Can I stop you there? Can yeah. you repeat what was that? A group of jackbooted tots and okay. aggrieved Jack, teenagers. Jackbooted tots. Uh, that's not two <laughs> words that go together. That sounds like a dish that you can get at Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> Just like a, a warm. Come to Golden trail. Corral and try our new jackbooted tots. They'll kick you in the butt. <laughs> okay, a group that's of like jack. A Carl's, that's a Carl's Junior food item. <laughs> jackbooted tots at Carl's. Jackbooted. Dun, 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 dun. You know, I admit 
I know what a jackboot is like in my head, but I did have to go and look up and be like, what is an like I, what is a jackboot? I had to look it up too, and I learned so much. Yeah. That it's just a military boot, but it's you know, they like to associate it with basically totalitarian regimes. So this is a this is uh coded messaging, basically calling them these kids saying they're synonymous with fascism more yeah, or less. Basically which is group plainly a ridiculous. A group of kids with some hand drawn posters saying, Please don't let the planet burn away is literal fascism. A group of jackbooted tots and aggrieved teenagers. By the way, can we get a fact check? Were any of them indeed wearing jackboots? Like, is this a pants on fire? Pull it a fact. You got to let me get through this. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) A group of jackbooted tots and aggrieved teenagers showed up at the local office of Diane Feinstein, 85 years old and holding, with the intention of teaching her about climate change and demanding that she vote for the Green New Deal. The resulting encounter was so gonzo that it made Gran Torino look like the pajama game. I don't understand. 13th hour. I don't know any of those things. (laughs) At the 13th hour of a long career, Feinstein did something that the kids weren't expecting. She took them seriously and she patiently explained some truths about American political life that they didn't understand. And then she did the one thing that an old woman isn't supposed to do. She said that she wasn't good at her job in spite of being old, but because of it. That's so, that's the that's the one thing. <laughs> yeah. Got him. The, <laughs> boom. Those children's was roasted. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, well, firstly, at the 13th hour of a long career, so what, it's one o'clock? I, I don't understand that. time. I is don't that know. are they trying to say that she's like past the end of what would normally? I don't understand that. Anyway, that's like nap, that's the, like nap time for her age, right? Exactly. Well, maybe that's why she was angry. No, I'm sorry, that's ageism. Um, she took them seriously. Like uh, she plainly didn't. Yeah. No, she was. No, it's, it's pretty clear that she did not take them seriously because she basically like. Uh, she's, know, she treated them like them. she oh, was like you you listen to me you're you're dumb and you're being used as pawns you, yeah. you need to listen to me and she patiently explained some truth about american political life that they didn't understand basically saying that um these dumb kids they don't realize that senators don't actually care about you and don't owe you anything even though you elected them and you're More that's like, just how it is that's just how it is i'm sorry not folks, that's be, how it is let's not even be cynical about it what she was the point, let's say, let's give her like the, the benefit of the doubt. And the message she was trying to give to them was, look, you, there's just things you can't do and you shouldn't try. You need to tone down your expectations to the level that I have, which are the expectations that have been in operation for 30 years. So like, don't, basically what that boils down to, and I don't even think she really understands this, but like, the logical conclusion to that is, oh, you you cannot expect change. It's unrealistic. Right. It's unrealistic. Yeah. We can't possibly do a Green New Deal because there's definitely no precedent for, precedent for any kind of, um, you know, thing like the Green New Deal. Definitely not something that, you know, we literally use the name of to make the name Green New Deal. <laughs> definitely there's no precedent for that kind of thing. Look, I mean. We've never done this, that before. It was never successful. Be, would be crazy. It would be like, what would be like, like shooting a man up into the, into space or, or putting him on the moon. Yeah. You know I mean? It would be ridiculous. Ridiculous. It'd be like harnessing the power of the atom or something. I mean, can you imagine? No, it's, I, I don't, this is, yeah, it's, it's, it's silly to me. I mean, I guess I, I have to assume that when the new deal was proposed in the thirties, that it was greeted you know, as, uh, uh, what's the word I'm thinking of, um, incredulously as, yeah. as the green new deal has been, it's like, you can't do that. And then when you ask, well, why not? Nobody really has a good answer. They're just like, it's funny Wait. because the first, the first time I heard about the green new deal was, was in 2007 <laughs> before 
this is wow. like before the big crash. Like mm-hmm. I think it was like kind of gearing up, but um, so this has been brewing for a while. It's it's I mean it's been an idea, and here's right. the best part: it's an idea of somebody who's never been accused of 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 being like overly op. Well, maybe he has been accused of being over optimistic, but I'm not like this was Thomas L. Friedman's idea. Okay, mm. this is not a socialist. He's he's idea. very vanilla. <laughs> I mean, yes, Thomas Friedman it, like goes to the Middle East, talks to a taxi driver, and is like, "Well, you know, um, here's the solutions I've found from this taxi driver. That's mm-hmm. what we're gonna do." Like, ten truths. He, I he hung out with with, with 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 uh, uh, what's his name, uh, Ben Salman, Mister Murder Guy. Oh yeah, uh, Mohammed bin Salman. Yeah, he's he's great. Um, a big fan. Thomas Friedman. Bros. He had this book called "The World Is Flat," which is about globalism, and then he followed it up with a book that almost nobody read called "Hot, Flat, and Crowded." Mm. Um, which was it was interesting because like the world is flat was basically the premise was like globalism is here to stay. Like fighting against globalism is the wrong way to go, Mm. and then, Mm. uh hot flat and crowded was like well then that so now what do we do and a lot of it had to do with um climate change Mm -hmm. and so he floated he's like what we really need is like a new space race like we need a green new deal so like it's not crazy Uh, like (laughs) we're at the point i mean climate change people have been talking about this forever yeah and basically in the time that we've been talking about climate change has gone to you know a theory a theoretical future to it is happening like it's here we're not waiting for climate change to happen we are in it now i mean literally last week it was in the 20s and there was snow on the ground okay like one week ago exactly Mm -hmm. now today it was 70 degrees and and our air conditioning wasn't working in our office and we were sweating right like that's crazy we've we've had extremely cold temperatures this winter we had very hot temperatures in the summer yeah it's been going like things are too it's like the the north of my state has gotten 200 inches of snow already like it's it's ridiculous my mom has been sending me pictures from lake cumberland where their houseboat is where the lake level is almost at flood stage like it's higher than it has been since 1984 and like my, meanwhile, just, my state, my state is alternating between flooding and being on fire. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> too wet or too dry, too wet or landslide. Like, yeah. Hey, why can't you guys do something about that? Why can't you yeah. meet a happy middle there? Just well, capture all the to, water to get out there and rake things up. And yeah, it'll be good. That's the problem. Y'all haven't been raking. <laughs> yeah. When you you're too raking. lazy with your, I don't know what. I can't Liberalism. <laughs> Too too lazy, been you know uh, distracted doing all your liberalism, yeah. All of your high school projects or whatever. All our all our award shows where we are mean. Yeah. (laughs) Did you watch the award show? Oh Oh, no, no. Oh, we're trying not to make this. Did Uh, you watch topical award show? No. The answer is that I don't watch any award shows because I find them self indulgent. My favorite. Oh well, you know what? That good on you. The thing that I Thank can't you. stand. Very brave, bold stance of mine. The thing I can't stand is the people who simultaneously, like, religiously watch them and mm. then religiously go on and on and on about how they, they're they stupid about and they them. don't care. You know, some we people just need a hobby. complain about them. That's fine. Oh, oh right. They watch, they watch the award show, but then go, you know, oh, award show doesn't matter. Oh, I'm just, I'm just watching. This is so, this, yeah, this doesn't matter. I watched this it for so, the commercials. <laughs> They watch it ironically, but they don't really like they're, they're ironically watching it ironically. It's like two mm-hmm. levels of irony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not great. Not great. Dios mío, man. I think that's a show. I don't know I think what that I, is a show. I have to contribute to this. <laughs> <laughs> Just play all of your sound clips at once. I am the walrus. I am the walrus. I am the walrus. 
<laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. I was not prepared for this. I'm trying and I'm learning. Thank you for your patience. There's so many mistakes I have already made, but I'm working to be better day by day. And I think I'm gonna make it, but for now I'll say I have no idea what I'm doing.